Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you and a little preview as I like to give it. Later on for our inbox, we have a listener who's wondering, how should you counsel a new Christian who feels called to lead a young adults ministry? And you're kind of like, should you maybe be discipled more first or give it a little time? So fortunately, Pastor Mark Bates is going to be here to lend some wisdom to that. And then for our culture segment, we have worship artists Shane and Shane here to discuss how do we worship God? Like, what does this look like, including a very fun conversation around traditional versus contemporary worship styles? Will we ever solve this debate? No, we won't, but we're just going to talk about it. So fortunately, they have some great insight on that. And then here we are for our roundtable, and uh, this is going to be a fun conversation around favorite fall traditions. We have got Austin, Annie, and Jackson here. Hey, y'all. Hello. Howdy. All right. Well, this is going to be good because I feel like I have prefaced this by saying, and many of you who listen to the show know that I'm very expressive of my opinion on this, that summer is the best season, which makes me a little bitter about fall because fall kicks summer out and then Mm -hmm. just comes in. And people who already in July are all about pumpkin spice lattes, I can't even deal with it. Okay, so (laughs) I love my summer. I love long days. I love cheap berries. I love wearing flip-flops at night and not wearing a jacket and all that. But I'm going to put that aside because we're going to talk about fall and what it is that we like about it, which I will say that being here in Colorado, at least we have decent falls when they come. I mean, sometimes you have to go up into the mountains really to to see colors and we have the aspens here and that's all great. But you guys are from like differing places. I mean, we've got, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Austin, you're from the South. Mm -hmm. Jackson, where are you from? I'm from Texas. Oh, well, there's nothing good going on there in the fall. (laughs) No, just kidding. I'm totally joking. And Annie, what about you? I'm from Kentucky. Okay. So mostly the South is represented here. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And I grew up in California, which I don't even know if they have fall. (laughs) I can't even remember what that looked like. So anyway, All right, well, let's um, start out. And again, we just want this to be a fun conversation. Why, first of all, why do you think people love fall so much? It's not like we have had a roundtable here of like favorite winter traditions, though I guess we could. I mean, but what what is it about fall that people get so excited? Well, I would probably say I'm one of those people who loves fall. It's like maybe tied up there with winter for me just because of how much (laughs) I love snow. But, uh, Partially for just the kind of uh, style you can break out. I love the jean and jacket and flannel <laughs> combo. Style. So, uh, and then you grow like your beard out a little bit. That's like 1996. What well, jeans and jackets, oh, okay. sometimes jean jackets. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll let it go. Okay, whatever. We might need pictures, but <laughs> can okay. provide. Okay, awesome. <laughs> what about you, Annie? Um, fall is just one of those cozy seasons. It's mm-hmm. where you can really bust out those blankets and really get just cozy with your friends and next to a warm bonfire and it's acceptable to really bundle up and no one no one judge you because mm-hmm. you're cold <laughs> mm-hmm. that's good all right yeah i agree with both of them i also think coming from the south football is such a big uh, there it is sport yep. in the south <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can't talk about fall without mentioning football um, but also it's just kind of a trendy uh, season right mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. it's very suitable for social media and school's happening again so there's a lot of excitement and newness that comes with fall because yeah. you're yeah yeah we did the summer it was fun we had our vacations but now we get to share about it and talk about it while we mm-hmm. move into 
yeah. maybe a little bit more enjoyable season. Well, and now that you say that, it kind of reminds me. I feel like didn't like Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch like bring oh, back yeah. fall with all mm. their ad campaigns, <laughs> uh-huh. and it just made everyone feel like if I just bought their clothes, I would look like an you know an Abercrombie and uh, Fitch ad, like mm-hmm. walking yeah. around in jeans and sweaters and jackets and whatever. <laughs> of course, that you bought from them. So I think that is true. Now what? Okay, now I will say that I feel like sometimes we're over aspirational about fall, like. When do we just all like fall comes and we're all just immediately doing bonfires and hayrides? I don't think so. I just work every day and then do my laundry on the weekend. I'm not just doing, you know, it's not like the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, like every day of the week. (laughs) But I think if we try to fit some of these things in, they are really fun when we can do them. I mean, what are what are some of the things, whether from your childhood or things that you still like to do now that you're just like, oh, I just love doing this? As a kid and uh, still as now as an adult, uh, <laughs> my family and I would get, usually go to uh, corn mazes. Oh, so, yeah. in, in I grew up in uh, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and up north there's all these like corn fields that they would turn into haunted corn mazes with like hay rides and pumpkin patches and fairs and trampolines and funnel cakes, mm-hmm. tons of stuff like that. And so I remember one time, I don't even remember why we were going. I think my mom was going to help out a friend with something, but she just dropped us off in the cornfield and was like, all right, like have fun, like just hang out. And so my brother and I thought it'd be a great idea to just plow through the cornfield and like make our own, <laughs> our own path. Oh, nice. So we were just like booking it through this cornfield. And I remember getting smacked in the face with like, like a cob of corn. Oh, <laughs> it was pretty, it was, when it's not cooked, it's, it's a little tougher. <laughs> That's like one of those like stories that you hear of kids getting lost in corn mazes and then the cops uh-huh. have to come out and form those like lines to look for them and stuff. See, well, I would never have that, that problem because I would just break all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> just keep tra- uh-huh. tra- trekking forward. So, okay, that's cool. What other traditions are kind of iconic that you've celebrated or done? Me and my family have a very weird tradition during fall. Um, during the day, we go to an apple orchard and we just pick apples and then we go to a pumpkin patch we pick out a bunch of pumpkins, and then we go to my uncle's house, and we do this thing called a holiday hoopla. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> we carve pumpkins, we drink apple cider, we eat all the food, have all the desserts, and then we shoot off fireworks in October. <laughs> wow. No That's awesome. And so we call it a holiday hoopla, and it's just, you know, a good bonding time for our family, a big family reunion, and we just kind of do all the holidays in one. Okay, that's like a legit activity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel like I've now missed out on some stuff about fall. Yeah, well, you can come with me next time. (laughs) I probably will have to. So, um, Jackson, I know you had mentioned something about the gobble wobble, which you're going to have to talk to us about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, as Annie mentioned, right, the the holidays kind of pick up around fall. Like, yeah, you have a couple in summer, but that usually brings family together, kind of like Annie was saying. But, yeah, the gobble wobble usually takes place on Thanksgiving, and it's a thing that um, my family kind of started about five years ago. Okay. And it's become a really fun tradition. So most people know what a turkey trot is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's for all sorts of, you know, levels of runners. Maybe you're actually going to go for it and try to win it, or you're just trying to have fun before the actual Thanksgiving meal. Mm-hmm. Well, we like to go even slower, and that's what the gobble wobble is. <laughs> it's this uh, set of trails just near our house, and um, people are out actually doing a turkey trot on these trails, and here we are. We're literally just walking and walking as slowly <laughs> as we want, um, and so we call it the gobble wobble. And sometimes we'll bring music and get you know like those inflatable um, kind of turkey costumes. Oh, oh that's we did fun. that one here. Yeah. Yes. Oh my so, goodness. So uh, that's become a very fond tradition that mm-hmm. we've. Okay. We've kind of started. Now, did you say I missed it? Is this before or after eating? <laughs> 
It's before. It's oh, before. okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because definitely after eating, you would just be slow and be like, exactly. okay, I don't know if I can make it. But okay, that's good, because then you can kind of crash right, right. afterwards. That's pretty, that's awesome. What do you guys think about, like I referenced um, negatively, the whole pumpkin spice latte <laughs> thing, which is just a big marketing scheme. But um, what, you know, are there any things that's just like, you know, where, where marketing has gotten to you in terms of fall. Well, obviously fashion for Austin here yeah. seems, to be, <laughs> seems to be the case. Yeah. But I mean, what is up with it? Whether it's like pumpkin spice lattes or muffins or whatever. I, is this like solely born out of Hallmark movies or rom-coms where everyone just has their little drink uh. and stuff? I mean, where where is this coming from? And has anyone railed against that of like, I'm not going to do it? <laughs> I mean, coming from Kentucky, we do get all four seasons, probably unlike Georgia and Texas here. But um, <laughs> most of those girls that I know in my sorority, we um, we all pretty fall hard for the, the fall traditions. <laughs> nice. Fall hard. You like that? <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, and the beverages. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, you mentioned just, apple cider. That's another one. Yeah, apple cider. And yeah, I'm kind of all for the little fall traditions of man, this has really marketed well because we really enjoy it. <laughs> They've done a it's good such job. A, it. It's such an aesthetic, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, too, with, like, certain cookies that people mm-hmm. bake or pies or just things that seem kind of iconic yeah. around whether it's mm-hmm. just fall or around the holidays. Exactly. You know? I also think the the rise of um, the types of shows that, like, Netflix or those mm-hmm. different um, streaming services put out around fall, mm-hmm. like, help helps amplify that because mm-hmm. I know that – um, my, my girlfriend, well, she's not my wife, but when we were dating, uh, I had never seen girl more girls before. Mm. And that's like a very fall centric show. Mm. Also coming from Texas, like Annie said, it's one season throughout the year. Mm-hmm. We're not going to kid ourselves. So around fall, we kind of have to trick ourselves into thinking we're having a fall. And so the drinks and the shows and the different things, uh-huh. uh, like Austin's closet full of fa- flannels, right? Yep. Like uh-huh. we just, we just wear them and we sweat. And so we're kind uh-huh. of tricked into like thinking, okay, we actually do have a fall. Um, even when we might not. Yeah. This is like where everyone in New England is like, oh, you poor people. Yeah. You don't have exactly. any of that. I'm so exactly. sorry for you. You know, because they're just riding through covered bridges and all mm-hmm. through their maples and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. You probably have some of that in Kentucky, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You have a pretty decent foliage situation. Okay. Anything that you don't like about fall or anything that you feel is like, eh, you know, I don't know. Here's what I here's what I don't like. I don't like raking leaves. I can yeah. tell you that. Well, on, on the subject yeah. of leaves, literally. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> so, subject of leaves. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird subject. But mm-hmm. my uh, my brother and I, we um, had like a little mowing company, mm-hmm. uh, oh, which yeah. transitioned very slowly in Texas into raking leaves. Mm-hmm. And literally since I was probably five or six, every year around fall, I would get hives. Oh, from man. the leaves Ooh. so it became like a not so funny to me but funny to other people tradition that that <laughs> okay. i would get um uh, hives around the fall time <laughs> so that's one thing that i i grew to hate about fall is like i knew okay one uh, way or another this is going to happen that's an excellent thing to hate yeah that makes fall. perfect sense yeah, yeah. okay anything oh, else no. Man, well, I'm just a coffee snob, so the whole pumpkin spice latte thing is is a uh, is a little hard for me. But uh, overblown, I, yeah. I, 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 it's a, I've like, tried have it before. Have you ever seen just the syrup? Thing. It's like bright, like neon oh, orange. Yeah. It's uh-huh. so fake. I'm like, guys, don't fall for this. Please. It looks like radiation. <laughs> yeah, <that's> terrible, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So that's all I got. I'm okay. a big fall lover. Besides not being able to go. Uh, go to the lake or or swim in a mm. uh, go cliff jumping or something like mm-hmm. that. Then. Yeah. 
that that's def- that's a bummer. I hear you. No. Yeah, I would say my least favorite tradition of fall is Halloween <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're freezing outside and then you're just getting scared. And it's <laughs> like two of the worst things combined mm-hmm. is being really cold, freezing to death, and then being scared by a bunch of p- strangers. And you're just like, this is no fun for me. <laughs> yeah. So and then you have to like find a Halloween costume <laughs> and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. man, is, is everyone going to dress up as a cat this year or like should we do something a little weird? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's actually legit. I will say that was an upside of doing fall in California is you always had, you know, you could wear whatever costume and it tended to be warm enough um, around that time. Although I will say that I've had the opposite, too, in that I lived in northern Minnesota. And then it's like you have kids come to your door and everyone's in like a full snowsuit and you don't know what they are because it's underneath their snowsuit. <laughs> oh so it's like, gosh. oh, you're a snowsuit kid. Oh, you're <laughs> de- it's another snowsuit kid. And so poor parents who buy costumes and then it's just totally worthless. So mm-hmm. I would say for me, I mean, again, and this is because I love summer so much. The two things that I most dislike about fall are days getting shorter, which I can't like when that transition happens where you go to work in the dark and you come home in the dark. That is like a weeks long depression for me Mm, of just no, my life is over. (laughs) Um, And the fact that just winter is around the corner and it's really Mm -hmm. janky here in Colorado because you'll have these like fake summers like where they come in like October and then you'll have a weirdo snowfall and then you're like, is it winter? Nope. Now it's warm again. Now it's just dry. Now it's and so you you feel like you're always being tricked and it gets a little sketchy. So I hear (laughs) you. I mean, and I just yeah, not that I really hate winter but i just yeah i feel like i have to soldier through it and just wait Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. days to get longer again and kind of kind of moving forward on that so um all right well what what would you say like recommendations for people maybe if they're you know maybe they're really looking forward to fall although sometimes people look forward to fall and then they get kind of like disappointed you know it kind of builds up and then they're like hey that wasn't as cool as i thought it would be or, (laughs) or whatever um Or maybe they get, you know, discouraged about fall. What are some good ways to approach? For me, actually, one thing fall always has been for me is kind of almost like New Year's. I feel maybe it was because of the whole school thing. I felt Mm. like it was a fresh start. Mm. You're kind of like putting away summer. You're kind of into something new. Mm -hmm. Um, So what would you guys recommend to folks kind of just jumpstarting this season for them and staying encouraged, staying in the the race, in the fray, Um, anything new that they should try or things that you've kind of... Oh my goodness! I was just going to say, turn over a new leaf. Uh, that <laughs> awesome! That would have been yeah. awesome. Um, but just yeah, heading into fall, ways for folks to kind of take hold of it and be intentional. I think going along with my uh, attire comment, <laughs> just kind of getting the spirit of it and uh, break out the flannel. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, one of, one of my favorite things to do, like with fall, was to. Um, is to go to like a, a concert and like dr- kind of dress appropriately. So like you're wearing like you're breaking out your cowboy boots and your your hat and flannels. Obviously, <laughs> apparently that's my brand now. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then so I would think just kind of figure cowboy out ways boots. where where you can uh, um, I don't know things pick the things that you like about fall. I know for you it's it's hard going from your favorite season to mm-hmm. uh, to a different season and then mm-hmm. uh, so try and, and celebrate and, and be grateful for the season that you just had and then move into, well, what is there to appreciate in uh, in this next coming season? So for mm-hmm. me, it's cowboy boots and country concerts. <laughs> okay. All right. 
like like Austin said, I really like that. Kind of personalize it and make it your own because mm-hmm. the the seasons can sometimes seem so like they're already decided. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas you have to do this, you have to do this. If you don't do it, then you're not really doing the season. And fall can feel that way at times. One thing that I got the opportunity to do was travel to different parts of the country mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. fall. Um, in Texas, I'd never really seen leaves change color, much less knew what that meant. So mm-hmm. getting to go to the eastern coast, like Virginia and um, around D.C. and places mm-hmm. like that, uh, obviously, if you're, you're not able to, then sorry. But uh, if, <laughs> then if just you do, go to Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you get the chance to, I think that that's a wonderful way to kind of make it unique. Um, pick a place, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's east, west, north, um, stay away from the south, I guess. Well, <laughs> but we get a chance to kind of branch out keeping our puns going and, uh, and doing that. Um, also one, this is just a really small thing. Uh, I have a couple of friends that I'm pin pals with throughout uh, the country and we would send leaves back and forth to one another in the mail. Um, and they, they actually kind of stay intact if you press them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so that was, that was one, th- one fun thing that we do throughout the fall is just kind of, Hey, this leaf, uh, the leaves are this color now, the leaves are this color now and getting to do that. Kind of once a month was a cool oh thing. My, okay, so Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty iconic. That's pretty amazing. Okay, how about you, Annie? Um, so for fall, me and my friends in college, we start these traditions where we'd have um, different like card games and kind of like bring in like parties of yeah. like the summertime into fall because I feel like summer is filled with so many backyard barbecues mm-hmm. and different things. So me and my friends, we'd really make it a point to have people come over to our house and we'd have like a little bonfire and we'd do like a worship night and mm-hmm. just invite all the new freshmen that were in yeah. school at this point and just, just be like an inviting spirit of like, hey, like we want everyone to come over. We want to meet you. We want to get to know you. And for me, that has always been my favorite part of fall is just having all the new people that have kind of moved into school, moved into that place and just invite them into your home and really get to know them and just like have little parties. We'll have like card game nights or puzzle parties and different stuff like that. And it's just a little cozier time of really intimate settings. Mm -hmm. That is cool because that is an opportunity. Like you said, there's a lot of stuff about summer that people don't want to be on inside because they want to maximize being outdoors. Mm -hmm. But then when fall comes, you can kind of do those like game nights and kind of the stuff where people are more likely to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. It's dark at 5 PM. So I guess we better just do something. So I think that's good. Um, and I was thinking too, my suggestion would be one thing that I love, love, love to do is take on like little projects. Like I spe- I'm just like an organizing freak. And so <laughs> fall is always my time of like, okay, what do I want to organize or what do I want to <laughs> downsize or mm. minimize? Or, you know, it might be like, I need to go through random like music on my computer and get rid of stuff or add stuff or whatever. And so it is kind of a fun to, you know, feel like, oh yeah, I tackled something, you know, it's kind of a productive, I think time for me, which is, uh, which is also kind of good. So awesome. Well, great thoughts, you guys. I appreciate you weighing in on this. This was really fun. So maybe we'll have you back and we'll talk about winter, which will be like three minutes. Um, it'll just be Austin talking yeah, basically probably. about skiing and stuff like that. So no, it's all good. But thanks, you guys, for sharing. Very fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank thanks you. for having us. He's seen how I stumble and fall. I rise up awakening in spite of it all. I call on his name to wash my sins away In what he decides about me 
is righteous and fair. Give me eyes to see. I've been missing the mark. I've only met him halfway. And it's only because of his love I am able to soar. Let me Right, folks, for this week's culture segment, uh, I am getting to welcome Shane and Shane to the table. They are here in the studio, and we actually are live streaming this, so some of you may have seen this already live. But welcome, guys. Good to have you here. It is so great so to be here. great to be here. Well, this is really fun. And uh, I had mentioned to them beforehand how we had had a conversation a long time ago years ago maybe like eight years ago or something and who knows what y'all were doing then but now you guys are doing a bunch of stuff you have written and leading worship in probably i think it's like 75 albums about the psalms um that you guys have now (laughs) i don't know where um your latest psalms hymns and spiritual songs volume one Mm-hmm. is just out almost out what are we talking about here timeline yeah, it's just out like okay. last friday it's brand new so okay. I have but the it here psalms somewhere. aren't necessarily new okay you know the psalms well they're not are no. not necessarily new but we've been plagiarizing the scripture for years well that's a good thing you to know plagiarize. what i mean yeah so that's all we got That's all we got. Well, okay. So here, you know, I mean, it is brand new. It's out. We're going to, you know, we'll talk about it and stuff too. But I feel like, do you guys have any plans for any albums around Leviticus? Because I feel that has been underdone. Mm -hmm. Where are you on that project? Mm -hmm. Leviticus volume one is in the works. Okay. For sure. It's in the, it's in the works. I (laughs) feel... The lyrics should be pretty Super, interesting. Yeah, it's yes. dark. For the, is that, yeah, they'll have a um, par- explicit lyrics. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> probably <laughs> advisory on that. Um, Restricted. Well, my goodness. And in addition to that, okay, how many? So, what would you say in the sum of your career, which I think you guys you met what at like A and M? That's where you went we to did. school. We did. You just someone changed their name. For both there was no name changes, but we did meet at A&M, and uh, that was back in, you know, we'll say the year. It was 97 okay. that we met. That's okay. And no I shame. ended up, so I ended up meeting this guy named Shane, who <laughs> came over to borrow a guitar for a concert that his roommate asked him to play. And I wasn't even a believer. I, had, I, I, I wasn't walking with the Lord or anything. And hmm. then after a few months, the Lord saved me and his group of buddies ended up taking me in adopted me and and man it was kind of off to the races and then it was like (laughs) your name's shane and my name's shane and we really didn't know anything to do but like sing like we didn't grow up in believing homes we didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about christian culture never written a song so we were like let's just didn't they used to sing the psalms (laughs) aren't they songs we had a record back then called shane and shane Psalms. psalms 
That's right. Okay. And yeah. then it's just kind of been the deal. I mean, God tricked us into this thing and really used the Psalms more than anything to to really just transform our lives as we just started to sing them over and over and over and over again. And um, and so we've never been able to not just cling to the Bible and the scriptures and um, and sing the word of God in that, those kinds of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, when you are, uh, when you're not in the studio recording or when you're not out and about, you know, here traveling and stuff like that, uh, you do, you lead worship at Watermark Church in Dallas. Yep. Um, I, we were talking before, I have been there. We have had almost every staff member from Watermark on the Boundless Show, including <laughs> J.P. Pecluda. Um, we've had David Marvin and others. We love the porch, uh, mm-hmm. all that you guys do with the porch. And I thought that this would be a great opportunity to have a conversation around worship. And so I kind of want to start with the the idea of like, you know, we hear people say, okay, well, we're going to do worship. Or, you know, are you doing worship this Sunday? Or are you, what, I mean, clearly, I, I'm guessing that just the concept of like doing worship probably isn't super biblical. Maybe people don't understand what we mean when we say that. But explain the role of a worship leader and a role of the worshiper in corporate worship. Yeah, we, like at Watermark, you know, we, we decided um, to not put, for example, like the the words worship center on like the main auditorium. And then when everybody leaves, the last thing that we usually hear is have a great week of worship. Mm. Um, and so that's probably a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think what you're referring to is that just our singing together, which mm-hmm. is worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we really have been clinging to this passage in uh, Colossians chapter three, verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, through singing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with grateful God in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a really great header for what happens in our times of singing together, where when we sing God's word, so God's word is, is God's word. I mean, it's living and active and powerful and doesn't come back void and accomplishes everything that God says it's going to accomplish and then there's this promise when you sing the word. So it is the word, but then when you sing the word, the word of Christ begins to dwell richly in you. And so, and we're teaching each other. So we're not trying to entertain anybody. Like we're, we're really just song leaders trying to say, hey, let's, I want you to admonish me and help me believe today that the blood of Christ is enough to cover my sin. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I stop believing that. Mm-hmm. And I walk in guilt and in shame and I cower back. And so help me, convince me as I convince you. And so I think that's just a really great passage to kind of like frame what happens, you know, when we sing together in on Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's helpful, and you alluded to this, that we're, you know, singing and music and stuff is part of a larger worship experience. I mm-hmm, mean, there are many sure. things that we do to worship. and But it is not guys, women, a group, whatever, up there performing. And I know you guys talk a lot about that, about, you know, if you're aspiring to like lead worship, you better check your heart and better, you know, because it's not just like, hey, let's write all these great songs and make sure that we sing them and everyone loves them. And that all of a sudden we have this following and people are, you know, downloading them on iTunes and stuff like that. So what, um, let's talk a little bit about the difference. Cause I, I do like that idea of like, you're being sent out during the week to continue worshiping. What is the difference though, between 
corporate worship and personal worship and why the value for corporate worship? Because we know, I mean, I talk about here on the Boundless Show, the 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 purpose of church. You know, you go there to hear the preaching of the word, to take part in the sacraments, to have community, to have accountability. There is a lot of reasons to do church and not just consume church online or whatever. And post-COVID, we're having to talk a lot about that. Let's talk about corporate worship, personal worship, distinctions, similarities. What do you think? I think there's something very special about the bride or people who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior to to be together. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Shane said in the singing context, but then also just, um, just like the word of your testimony, you know, it's like, we are, we are around each other and we're to encourage and build each other up. And, and, and like, I think like probably the enemy to, for me, I'll say the enemy for me. And I think this is, as a truly biblical concept, but like, I don't think we were ever meant to operate in isolation, you know, and I think it's not good for us to be an island, you know, and I think in COVID specifically, I think people have felt isolated mm-hmm. and, and in that isolation, I, I, I heard a, a, a guy talk about this. It's like if you had friends before COVID and you had a thriving community, like the the use of social platforms and all the ways that we connected before you could you were really encouraged but if you were lacking in those areas like it was amplified mm-hmm. and so if you were living in isolation like pre covid mm-hmm. like i don't know you guys have probably done all kinds of research on that that <laughs> that i haven't but like there was something to that and i think it was it was like oh okay there is something to not forsaking the assembly yeah you know and we get together and we and we worship together and it's like i'm encouraged because you're telling me the story of the faithfulness of god in your life and it's like oh i'm hearing oh god is doing something god is on the move mm-hmm. maybe there that hope is still like pushing forward mm-hmm. you know and so i think there's something to that i think and but then I think it, it also encourages my time and my my personal worship mm-hmm. when I hear the testimony of others. It encourages me. It spurs me on when I hear a, a, the word of my friend's testimony mm-hmm. and the faithfulness of God to bring him or her through a storm or through a valley or whatever it is. And I'm like, you know what? God can help. I, I th- this is good. I, I yeah. And like reminding me of the scripture or a passage or when I'm like down, you know, I mean, and so... Yeah. I think it's directly correlated, um, but we we do have a res- I mean I we have a responsibility to pursue the things of Christ um, on our own as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like man, we we need to be in the Word. We need that time of like solitude with our first love, which in you know is it's Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. and like really like renewing our mind and daily. Yeah. Honestly. Well, because it's not something that you're just going to fabricate or conjure up out of a heart that is barren. I mean, you have to be experiencing God throughout the week to be worshiping on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever you're gathering with people, I would say. Yeah. And it's pretty easy um, these days to get lost in, to go to a service on Sunday and still be super isolated. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was, that's kind of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't, you don't ever say a word to anybody. There's no, there's no community. Um, and so I think, I think it's really important to like bring community into your, like if you're just going to a service and, and that could be a total blessing, but like, like the things that you mentioned earlier, like communion and singing and missions and worship and confession 
and praying for one another. And as Hebrews 3, um, exhort one another, like encourage, exhort one another, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Like Mm -hmm. that says every day. Mm -hmm. And so there's just this community part of that that is so uh, important that we've found is so important for our like just our spiritual life and our spiritual growth for sure. Um, All right. So now I want to get a little bit contentious um, because we like to do that here on the boundless show. And anytime, if we're going to talk about worship, we have to talk about air quotes, worship styles. Okay. And I'm thinking in my church, which is historically pretty traditional, but now we've all tried to do this, like, well, what do we need to do that's contemporary? Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in this uh, thing at church where we had our elders there and it was a women's event and there was an elder at each table. And then us women were supposed to sit around and I guess it was like, ask an elder or something. I don't even know. But this one precious saint who is now with Jesus was at my table and she turned to our, uh, the elder at our table and said, you know what? The only thing I need to tell you, because this was supposed to, it was like open season on the elders. You ask anything, mm-hmm. theological, whatever. And she's like, I just need you guys to never get rid of the organ. And he was like, mm, okay, I appreciate you saying that. You know, and you could tell he's kind of like, it's good let feedback. me write it's that. Good, it's good. good feedback. Yeah. Good feed- Thank you for that. And that could have been, you know, a 20 something who said, the one thing I need you to do is get additional djembes or get additional, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, pick your, pick your instrumentation, pick yeah, your whatever. Yeah. Why is the whole topic of, I mean, and at my church, we had to have like three evenings of conversation around how we quote do worship and styles and music and you know skill and do we hire professionals or do we just have Jimmy and his mom up there mm-hmm. you know and whatever and it was a big deal and people were almost in fisticuffs <laughs> but the holy spirit showed up praise god let's talk about styles why is this so polarizing what's your experience with that you know i think i think probably it comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. I think people have experienced the Lord in a certain way. It's kind of like if you love the way that your mom makes chicken pot pie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's the best chicken mm-hmm. pot pie. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes over and it's like, hey, have you tried this Stouffer? Stouffer's <laughs> chicken pot pie. Uh-huh. And they're like. I would never eat that because uh-huh. it's gross. Uh-huh. Like it's disgusting. I would never eat that because you don't know what it's like to have my mom's chicken. That's not chicken pot pie. And you'd call it something else. Mm-hmm. That So it's that's not worship mm-hmm. because I've experienced worship and it looks like this. And I so I think it comes from a good place because somebody or someone has like really experienced the Lord and it's it's built their faith. And they're like, man, this is this is how it's done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if we went back, you know, a couple thousand years, thousand years, I mean, the way people worshiped was like a Gregorian chant, you know? And if you, if you brought some instruments into it, they'd be like, what are you doing? That's not worship. What are you talking about? You know, I mean, we can't do that. We got to get hey, come some over more and write a sweet chant with me tonight, come, man. Come <laughs> it's going to be sweet, chant. man. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> You're going to love it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I think, I think it comes from a good place, but I think people can just, get get in a rut and and say man this is you know like you you'll get some people like on one end of the spectrum that drums are from the devil and electric guitar is for you know satan worship you know but then mm-hmm. other people would be like man the organ is why would you ever use an organ that's the, that's the worst thing i've ever heard yeah. but i think 
what we want to do and what we what we encourage worship pastors to do is to like know your audience what encourages the people that are that you, you the lord has placed you in a position to encourage them to spur them on in faith and good deeds like how do we what are we going to do what do so if my congregation is 65 plus and the organ really inspires them in things of the lord then man let's use the organ mm-hmm. let's use the organ Let's not try to change somebody's mind and be like, no, that's not. We have, we need to progress mm-hmm. because now we figured out how to please the well, heart yeah, of the but Lord. There, but but then <laughs> it poses a question because then you have, uh, you know, the, the the elders getting together and say we need to we don't have any young people we need to we need to yeah. draw we need to draw. And so I mm-hmm. think it's just like humbling yourself, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. you know, and then pastoring in that kind of way mm-hmm. and really like helping folks see what worship is and what worship isn't. Mm-hmm. And when we see that and when we see God and for who he is, which could happen in a spoken word mm-hmm. or could happen in a song, but you really just disciple folks, you know, from a stage and going like, Hey, God, first of all, let's define worship mm-hmm. and let's just identify, okay, you like this and they like this. And we're trying to get these people in here and let's just all come around Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, we've, I didn't grow up with hymns and neither did Shane. And we've, we love, we've done several hymns records, you know, we love, um, and we've loved the challenge of like not changing the melody, not making people mad with like completely redoing hymns, you know, but like delivering them in a way that would maybe palatable for younger folks, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think it's just humbling yourself, looking at what it is, taking Colossians 3.16 to say, hey, we're going to teach and admonish one another. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to happen through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And Mm -hmm. it could look like this. Yeah. And so expectations are huge. Yeah. So what, practically, what does that look like? Because again, I know, you know, I've been in several worship services where you guys have led the the time of worship and music specifically. And I know you guys practice. I know you guys come up with, you don't, you know, you don't just show up on, on stage and are like, well, we don't know what's going to happen here, but let's just wing it and let's just be whatever, you know? I mean, there's like, there's skill and thought and preparation and, you know, a just an attitude of like, yeah, we want to bring our best. So how do you do that, but also remain open to, yeah, like what is someone's experience of worship or being open to the spirit and what's going to happen there? And how do you communicate that to the congregation so they're keeping the main thing, the main thing? Uh, yeah, it, all that's a really great question. I I think it's just, I think it's just. <laughs> you pu- need to fix this for all of right, us, Shane. Come right. on, yeah. fix it. I, I, think, I, I think one <laughs> of the problems maybe the main problem is, is not, you know, having like an absolute solution. I think like, um, I think it would really help if we just asked ourselves questions, Mm -hmm. um, like is what we're doing helpful on the stage Mm -hmm. and really be being willing to forsake culture and go to the scriptures whatever that is of like, for example, like even at the, at the porch, um, Recently, my big ugly face and our electric guitars belt buckle was up there, you know, and the on drums the on the on these <laughs> on you the know screen. seventy bajillion foot screens, and, and I was just I just I threw a flag. I'm just I'm just help me, you know. We're going, um, my Jesus, I love thee, you know. When the death dew falls upon my brow, and I'm the, I'm just, I'm looking at the electric guitar shirt and its pocket, <laughs> and is that helpful? Help me. You guys help me. Can you help? Can we take a poll? Not 
Not, I don't want the poll to be, do we like it or not? That's the wrong question. Does it help stir your affections for Jesus? That's the right question. Because we don't need these screens or we can put something up there that helps stir affections for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and over the years, we've pulled that down and just like, no, they can see us fine. You know, mm-hmm. they don't need to see my, like, my eye lines. Mm-hmm. They can, they can see me when I'm talking, they can put my face up there. So they can, you know, like, or is, and on the other, maybe you go the other side of the pendulum. Does my expression help somebody's expression? Man, I don't know. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. I think it's like the lack of being willing to ask questions of like, I'm just going to humbly come in and let's just as a team through the lens of the scriptures, not through the lens of culture, not, Hey, this is what I experienced at the passion conference. This is what I experienced at the sing conference. This is what I experienced (laughs) at the Shane, Shane Linger conference. You know, it's like, what does the Bible say? Yeah. And, and where are we at doing a diagnostic on here's what, here's what it looks like for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a, we have Jenny on keyboard. We have Joe Bob who is going to play the drums and we have, you know, here's what we have as far as people that are going to serve. And here's who we have coming. And so how can we just use everything that God has given us? Screens and speakers and microphones and talent. All these just to, to help each other see them and help each other teach and admonish one another, you know? So I think the questions aren't there often enough mm-hmm. because I think it could go a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an answer yeah. to like, okay. Here's yeah. the answer. You need to sing three hymns and one contemporary song, and that will steer the ship. <laughs> that is how you do it. You know, yeah. I think it's just being being open to, it's risky, you know? Like, the, I mean, following God is just, it's it's hard. I think of the times, you know, that have been helpful for the church when, you know, Matt Redmond's church pulled the plug on the sound, and they're just, we're going to just go without sound. It's just becoming an idol for us. Mm-hmm. And then for a season, six months or whatever it was, they just sang together. And that was a really helpful season for them to just like reorient them because singing is the point. Mm -hmm. And so if singing isn't happening in a way that is like prayerfully going to God, because singing and prayer and scripture are almost interchangeable. Mm -hmm. So at the moment that you're just singing stuff like a kumbaya sing along kind of a deal, we've lost it. So if, if we're not singing together and manifest, if pulling the plug on the deal and just singing together with our voices, if that would reorient you to what it is that could possibly happen when you sing together, that the word of Christ would dwell richly in you. Not that you would just come in, do a service in one ear, out the other, leave. No, you go out and you're now believing that God loves me. Mm-hmm. What? Like richly <laughs> dwelling richly in you. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge deal. If yeah. that happens, it's a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was just, um, you know, kind of dissing the whole concept of like worship as a consumer pursuit, which we know, yeah, that's bad. But that said, I do want to ask my final fun question, Mm because of course, we're out of time, we're always out of time, whatever. But um, here is the question. What is that song? It could be old, it could be new, it could be a psalm, a hymn, or a spiritual song that every it could be yours it could be someone else's every time you hear it you are just like i am here for this hashtag boom why wasn't this song written millions of years ago or maybe it was <laughs> but it's just it's a song that you love and is so personally meaningful to you what's that song 
What's your song? I'm pretty sure we both say What's Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is amazing. Oh. And it's, it's it's millions of years old, it, like you said. It's, it's bajillions. Millions? I don't know if it's millions. Is it there millions? Is a, it's just been so... Depends on if you're new earth or older. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. It's just been so helpful. Yeah. It's been so... Uh, you know, I kind of skipped over the 23rd Psalm in, in most of my, like, believing life. Maybe because it was just so familiar. Mm-hmm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall want to make me like I'm going to the cup overflow in the valley of death. And I mean, just knew it. It's in rap songs. It's in on coffee cups. And mm-hmm. But when we started to sing it, like it just, it transformed my marriage, mm-hmm. transformed my friendships, transformed the way that I sing on, on stages. Mm-hmm. Like to, to actually go, to have the thought that the Lord, because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have to want anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I had a dilemma when I when I first started singing it. Because he's like, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." <laughs> and then my problem was, is all I do is want. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm a pro. Mm-hmm. I got four daughters. There, I didn't have to teach them how to want. They're really good at wanting, mm-hmm. and I never grew out of that. I come out on stages. I want people to like me and like my little songs and leave the likes. And I want to go check them, and it feeds this thing in me that just wants more of what I already have. Mm-hmm. Unless I find what I'm looking for in the shepherd. So the answer is not to turn off the wanting machine mm-hmm. because you can't turn that valve off as a human, but to find what you're looking for, to find your wanting in the shepherd. Like Paul said it, I consider everything as loss hmm. compared to knowing Christ Jesus, the shepherd. Yeah. And so Psalm 23, verse one and the following, like even in the valley of the shadow of death, which we've walked through this last year. Hmm. I don't have to be afraid because he's with me. And if I have him, I have everything. Mm-hmm. There's no next level for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a son of God, a co-heir with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really, really helpful. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Awesome. That's a good one. That's good. Okay, we'll take it. Um, my goodness. Okay, well, we are out of time. And uh, okay, we're going to have to go. But uh, do check in with us. This is going to be up on uh, social. We love it when you guys uh, give commentary again, even on, you know, we're here talking about worship and all y'all, you know, I've talked to you about this a lot in the past year is that COVID was hard. Many of you listening um, were isolated. I mean, so many of you guys in our audience are single mm-hmm. because they're college mm-hmm. through 30 something, you know, whatever. And so they were alone for much of a year and just kind mm-hmm. of finding their footing again, getting back into church. And so um, I, I'm so grateful that we can talk through stuff like this and encourage people to get into the word, um, to be worshiping, to be in community. And um, thanks for shedding some light on that. I appreciate mm, it's it. A pleasure. Thanks for having us. Speak your word, I feel it move my heart. Lord, I speak my prayer to heavens where you are. Release your power, redeem us here on earth. Exchanging love where abandoned graves since birth. I am
Okay, folks, as we finish out the show, we're opening up our inbox, and I have got Pastor Mark Bates back this week to answer this week's question. Hey, Mark. Hello, Lisa. Good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you. Okay, so this week's listener is asking, how do you convince a brand new believer who wants to lead a ministry of young adults that maybe he should grow and be discipled first instead of jumping into leadership as a baby Christian? (laughs) <laughs> such a, There's such good a, intentions here. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is for the question asker or the person they're yeah, asking about. Yeah. Play this tape for the person who's asking. So, yeah. uh, uh, you know, again, it's it's a great question. And, um, you know, because you don't want to squash the zeal. Here's mm-hmm. somebody, who goes, you know, they're exactly. fired up. Yeah. They, they want to serve, uh, but they may not quite be ready. And a few things I would point out, you know, do you know how long it was before the Apostle Paul actually began his public ministry? It was... 14 years, yeah. 14 years. Now he, he was literally called by God, you know, out loud to, mm-hmm. uh, to be a missionary to the Gentiles. And he doesn't do it for 14 years. Now, I don't think that means he wasn't doing anything for 14 years, but he already knew the old Testament pretty doggone well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt his behavior was too out of line. And so he takes 14 years before he, he gets ready to, uh, to go and begin exercising his calling. So I think if it takes Paul 14 years, taking a couple of years to somebody else might be a good idea. Yeah. And uh, Jesus, 30. Yeah, well, yes, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Jesus he wanted even, to wait even longer. Yeah, you right? waited longer. So if you think you're better than Jesus, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, also Paul talks about it. First Timothy 3, he talks about an overseer so, and, or an elder. And I think the principle applies to any church leader. He says he should not be a recent convert. And he gives this reason. He says, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. So you're actually doing this not only to protect the people he's leading, but this person too. He, and, and, you know, we, we've seen stories of this over and over again, uh, that, um, uh, you know, becoming a leader too early, thrust in the spotlight too early is damaging. And we've seen that with, with celebrities who, you know, suddenly have the spotlight. Um, you know, something else I, I think too is... Um, I know people think, you know, I'm a pastor. People think, hey, that's easy. I can do that. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and I look at um, my uh, doctor, and I think I could do that too. Um, uh, but it does take training to understand the Word of God, how it fits in. And, and, um, and so uh, I think understanding it takes training. I think Paul, and again, to Timothy and Second Timothy, says he should entrust the gospel to a few good men. In other words, Timothy has a job to train people before he thrusts them out into leadership. So if this person's been called by God to be a leader, you know, that's great. And say, great, that's fantastic. Why don't we go through a training program before you put you up front? Mm -hmm. Why don't we go through some discipleship? Let's learn what the Bible has to say, how it fits together. Let's, uh, why don't you start getting the spiritual disciplines down in your own life before you start trying to teach somebody else and, mm-hmm. and start to show a model this and, and model grace and model repentance and model godliness and, uh, and humility. And uh, then let's see if the, um, if the Spirit's at work. And, uh, and then if, if he is, you know, you'll be well-equipped to yeah. do this. That's very good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for weighing in on that. Uh, Okay, folks, that is it for this week's show. As always, we do want to hear from you. So if you write to us at editor at boundless.org, maybe we can answer a question that you have sometime in the future. Of course, if you have a question right now and you need to see if we've answered it in the past, just go to boundless.org and you can search there for the myriad of questions that we have answered on this show in the past 
13 years. And so uh, there's a lot there. And don't forget to tell your friends. We love it when new listeners come into the fold. So uh, direct them to the podcast itself on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, anywhere the podcasts are found. So I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. 